Hi, you. Welcome back to Intuitive Art Sales. This is the show where I, Jessica Carrera, am going to teach you how to source your art marketing from within. For the next little bit, I want to switch gears and share something with you called the Artist Success Interview Series. This series is a little bit different than what we've been doing because instead of me sharing my thoughts, my opinions, my advice, I'm going to flip the tables and help artists who have had success selling their art share with you what they think has been the biggest catalyst for them and their success. I'm going to be asking them about practical tips, mindset tips, and just whatever it is that they want to share with you to help you sell more art. So with that, let's get into it. I'm here with the lovely Miss Kristen Chronic to do our second Artist Interview Success Series interview because as I am reposting these, Kristen mentioned that there's a lot that has changed since the last interview, and she wanted to make sure that it really reflected where she is at in her art business. And I thought that sounded exciting. So we're just going to redo this interview for you. And if you really love listening to Kristen, you can go back to my blog. I'll have Julie link it so you can hear the first interview, but just know that it's a couple years outdated. So Kristen, let's start with, let's paint a little picture if we can. Even as far as a year ago or two years ago, where do you feel like you were at in your art business? What was going well? What were you struggling with? Let's just start there. If you could think that far back. It's hard to, there's a lot. So first, thank you so much for having me again. I just, I always appreciate your voice in my head (laughs) and in my ear, but it sounds funny. Oh gosh. Okay. So two years ago, I think that's when we connected first, actually, because I was about to have my third baby and I was having a hard time with managing all the things and honestly trying to build like the cushion. I was feeling really overwhelmed. A lot of things that I had planted had then blossomed and was demanding my watering and attention and care. Um, and I knew I was going to have a baby, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are mothers, so they understand. And I knew like she ended up being a really easy baby, which I'm grateful for, but that doesn't always happen. Um, so like, how am I going to keep this up? I can't. And I didn't when this baby comes along. Um, and basically just a lot of things that were working all of a sudden I knew wouldn't be. And I think I was starting to panic. Um, and I had this big goal of publishing a coffee table book that started five years ago now. And this was three years in whenever I want to talk to you. And I was like, how are we going to do that too? How am I going to fund it? All these things. Um, but now here we are, 2023. The book is out in the world and everything worked out great. Amazing. <laughs> My I've seeing your posts about it. It looks amazing. <laughs> the baby is 18 months old and she's awesome. And she's actually about to go to care in a couple of weeks. So I'm a little mixed feel, a little bittersweet about that. I did love having your home, but it's time. Yeah. And I mean, a lot's changed. It's, I finished my degree and now I'm teaching adjunct as well, which has been really fun. And there's just been a lot of transition, but all good stuff. Yeah. So, okay. So you already kind of segued into this, but 2023, <laughs> you mentioned that you have the coffee table book, you're teaching. What do you feel like besides not having a newborn anymore? What do you think the biggest difference 
in yourself, in your business, fill in the mm. blank, however you'd like, is between now and that time period. Oh, goodness. I mean, in some ways, just having the change completed helps, like all the unknowns. Um, but I think what I really learned over the past couple of years was how important it was for me to build in margin, um, both in my schedule, which as a mom, I was learning that already. Like I have, I can't rely on the time I have as much as I used to because it often gets interrupted, right? Kids get sick or whatever. Um, but that also was like financially as well and like really building up a safety cushion there to where... There was a very least, there was more space between when I made a painting and when I needed to sell the painting. Um, and that was like, actually, you helped me a lot with that just this last fall, spring, winter, because we were moving as well. So I was like, here's another transition. And I was like, I need to, for one thing, clear some space out of storage, like legitimately because we're moving, but also I need to be able to pad a little bit of comfort in my um my bank accounts. So that way I can kind of weather this transition. And it ended up being a really great move because. It was actually for the first time I've been able to keep like four to five months of my pay on hand in a way that's like, and I've actually been able to maintain that. So that's awesome. Amazing. For the summer to kind of get through all this. And so that, what that's done is it's given me the space and the freedom to either make some paintings just for fun, which may or may not work, um, to work on other projects and just to have a little bit of mental space where I didn't feel quite the urgency to like sell paintings all the time. I could allowed those relationships to develop slowly. Okay, so one thing that I've always really respected about you is that you are really, got a great head for the numbers and you always pay attention. Love to I love the numbers. <laughs> and I, I think that's a weakness for a lot of artists because mm. they almost avoid them. If not, um, almost is even the wrong word. They avoid them as much as possible so that they don't, feel like they're failing yeah and one that i actually do really push inside my programs is knowing your numbers because when you know your numbers you can make a much more educated decision about like what you can be spending your time on how much spaciousness you have it's really empowering to get to that place even though it's a little scary i'm not gonna lie it's a little mm -hmm. scary to look at your money but you know what to do. And so I just wanted to like give you props for that. Thank you. It does help a lot. It's, I, and it's kind of how I started was, okay, you know, we basically five years ago, like went down to one income. Okay, I'll do this for six months. I can, we can handle that. And let's go from there. And then six months turned into a year, turned into 18 months. That's kind of how we kept doing it. And then slowly I started to supplement our income and I just went over time and it makes it, at least it makes it feel like you're a little bit more control over something yeah. that can sometimes be kind of unpredictable. Art isn't always as steady as working for the government, which is what it needs to do. Right, right. <laughs> There's that. But at the same time, the more you know, the more information you have. So even if it's not steady or predictable, okay, well, I did this thing and it brought in this much money and I did this thing, it brought in this much money and I didn't really do anything in between. So I didn't really bring in any money. And you can start mm -hmm. to see the patterns and make better choices from there. This is a great little transition into my first question, which may or may not be the answer, but what is one practical tip that you can share with other artists in order to feel like you do have that spaciousness in your bank account? Like what's one way that you have mm. created that for yourself? Um, okay. This 
I say this with a star and asterisk. Okay. Um, I read the book Profit First a couple of years ago. And there's like a like, cult following of this book now. So like, I feel like, like I say this with the greatest. You can soul. reference it. I mean, <laughs> but basically it's like the envelope system in your bank account. And I mean, I have kept pretty meticulous track of my numbers ever since I started on my expenses and on my income and where it comes from. Um, and I would say like one of the hardest things is just figuring out the breakdown of kind of like what I need to pull a portion off versus maybe somebody else. And so those percentages will be different. But when I read that book, it was a lightful moment. Um, and so I have spreadsheets, but it was really nice to just look at my bank account and see, oh, okay, my studio budget's X amount, my whatever it is. And so, I mean, that's going to be different for everybody. And I did take, I did look at a couple of years of data for me to kind of get that estimate. And basically what I realized, I have two different categories of income streams. Like one is my original work, which is a lot better profit margins. So I have a lot more flexibility with that. And then the other one is basically products. I just kind of like put that in its own category. So if you're not familiar with Profit First, it's like essentially, like I said before, the envelope system where you sell a painting for $100 and then that percentage of that $100 immediately goes into certain pockets, envelopes, right? Or bank accounts that would be for certain things, taxes, whatever. Um, owners pay profit, like oh, that's kind of the term that they use for paying yourself first. Um, and so basically what I learned is like I have myself original paintings that's its own breakdown of percentages, but I had to figure out what works. And then when I sell products, which is like prints or other things on that own. So mine's a little bit more complicated because I have like a couple, uh, a lot of different legs to, to business, which is all very different, which I had to learn the hard way. You can't treat it all the same. Um, but once I kind of figured that out and got a system that works for mine, um, it's made it so much easier. So now whenever it's time to make investments on like whatever it may be, I, I'm very clear. Uh, like for me, it's like a very hard yes or no. Like, is it in the budget and is it in the plan? Because I keep track of all everything that I owe like, throughout the year between my software. So I can tell I'm like, okay, if I have these coming up, then this much anticipated income, which you can only plan so much for that. That's so much, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, am I comfortable making this payment now? With, like what I'm looking towards six months down the road where I'd, I'm entering the dry summer spell. So after the fall, maybe, but not now. So just, I mean, that it can, I can definitely see how it's, I love numbers and I love spreadsheets. So I'm just like, I can't wait to figure out it. Once I got that figured out, that really helped. And so the book is helpful and kind of at least getting kind of the gist of it. Yeah, I've read the book and I've created all the bank accounts and I've used it for periods of time. And I do mm -hmm. think that it's a great book. I'm not currently using that yeah. system because it just was not the thing that I needed right now. But for someone who doesn't love numbers and spreadsheets, like what's one like little micro thing that they could do to start with that? It really just goes back to knowing your numbers, which actually here, one thing that helps, it's easy, that doesn't have to involve a spreadsheet is like getting, I use QuickBooks, it's like the cheapest version too. I've never really needed more than that. And it does a pretty good job of automatically categorizing expenses. And so that right there, it's like, I don't have to worry about that, but I can see it. I'm like, oh, okay. Like that's my breakdown. I do double check it, but it's pretty good. So you use QuickBooks to help see like a, a picture of the past of what um, what you have spent on this and what you have spent on that so that mm -hmm. you can plan for the future. That's a good Correct. one. Yeah. Um, another, yeah. And it's easy enough. Yeah. 
I'm not a huge fan of QuickBooks, but I have tried it. Um, that being said, like different softwares work for different people. Another one that you could try is called You Need a Budget. It does a very similar mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and I believe it, I don't know, $60 a year or something like that. So if you're yeah. looking for a clear picture of what has worked for you, something like that might help speed that process up for you. Yeah, for sure. Do it all yourself. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So question number two, what is a mindset tip that you would like to share with people that has helped you go from this overwhelmed to, I know I need to build in this space and how, like what kind of mindset shift did you need to use in order to get that done? Um, And just in general, because a lot of my overwhelm was coming from just a lot of personal change that needed that was happening almost to yeah. us in a good way, but still. But, but really, that's just like life. Like that's always that's happening for everyone. And yeah, life yeah. is so, happening to you. Yeah, it does. A lot of, I have and had and still do a lot of creative goals and things that I want to make and getting very honest with myself on what it matters to me, what's important to me versus somebody else. Like that's, I mean, that's, it's so basic but it's so hard whenever there's always voices telling you what you should want what you should think and I will say like sometimes taking that quiet time to just reflect and to really think about what it is that you want to do and for me a lot of it has to do with just honestly like I want to make a lot of things like we joke if I ever made a million dollars I probably would not keep a dime it would all fund all the projects I wanted to and I'm like okay and so in that sense finding what needs to happen like prioritizing it in terms of timing and sometimes things need funding and then then from there it the just keep showing up adage I love that one like just mm-hmm. keep showing up and making things and doing things and sometimes what you make will become magic and sometimes it's not and that's fine um, and so it's a combination of that. It's like, you can only do so much at one time, but you also can't do anything if you don't show up. So it's a little bit of both. <laughs> so I have noticed recently that 90, maybe a hundred percent of the people that I work with either have diagnosed ADHD or have like a suspicion that I have some ADHD. And I know that you and I have had this conversation before where you're like, oh yeah, I'm all over the place. I want to do (laughs) all the things. Yes. So for everyone who resonates with that, you mentioned quiet time, but like, how do you, Kristen, Mm -hmm. with all these ideas and all these things you want to do, decide what's the next thing I'm going to do? It's a combination of systematic planning. Um, I kind of reflect on things maybe every quarter. I've tried to use the planners. I'm like, I'll be honest, at the end of March isn't always a great time for me to sit down and do this. So it's kind of more like, as it makes sense for me, um, I will kind of vision cast, um, usually at the end of the year in general, which the end of the year for me is like October. So like October, November, I usually think about the next year. Um, I like that. But like, just because I mean, naturally, I have to plan a couple months out. I can't just plan in January for what I'm doing in January. Usually in the fall, I'll do some like really good coffee shop. Let's just like, what sounds good? Like I'll listen, listen to Taylor Swift and just like <laughs> do whatever I want to do. Like what is exciting based off that. Um, and I have I keep a fair amount of notebooks and journals of like ideas and goals and like 
possible projects. I had to get you a Trello board. That's just like every time I have an idea, it just goes there and then it goes nice. away. So I don't actually do it. That's actually a very practical one. Like, so once I kind of get those big things down, then they'll kind of push little things over. I'm literally using Trello to do this. So I pretty much do all of my planning at this point online. But then I also have fun projects. And so I try to balance what I can reasonably do in a year with plenty of play space as well for those tangents to come in. And sometimes it means lighting up more than I can chew. I definitely underestimate and say how big this particular project could be. Um, but then sometimes like over the years, that just takes practice of like, yeah. I don't particularly love doing super long form things, which is why this book took me five years because I kept having to take just fewer things first. <laughs> um, and so there's that. And that, that's temperament, I think, more than anything. Some people are probably much more comfortable and like to kind of be more linear. And I'm, I get very bored after a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let me make sure I understand what your strategy so every time you have an idea, you put it into one place so that they all live together. Your place happens yeah. to be Trello. And yeah. then every so often at the end of the year and quarterly-ish, you go in there and look at that and say, what do I want to be doing for the next three, three or Three-ish months. months. Yeah. And yeah. that will change as it happens. Um, but one thing that's helped is I'll kind of do like a one big thing a month, like what's the one project I want to finish this month or make substantial progress on this month. And that kind of trickles down into the weeks as well. I don't really do daily because as soon as it becomes a daily thing that I won't do it. Then you're behind. <laughs> so basically it's just like if there's like this week, like for example, this week for me, I'm getting ready to go back to teaching. So it's like the one thing I need to do this week is just get my syllabus all day. And like that's my creative project for the week. And then Whatever I do to rebel against sad throughout the week is what it is, you know? <laughs> oh, I love so. that. I, I really respect, like, having a plan. This is how I work as well. I have a plan, and I find ways to make progress toward that plan every day, even if they're, like, five-minute chunks. But oh, I build in that space yeah. for, I call it, like, for me, but I like your word better. Like, what's the rebellious thing I'm going to do that is going <laughs> to... Allow me to say, no, I don't want to work on that. I don't want to work on this and give myself space <laughs> to do that as well. Because if I don't, I'm unhappy. I'm mm -hmm. stressed out. I feel yep. like I'm never going to get anywhere because I'm just pressing and pressing. It doesn't feel like I'm getting anywhere. But when I have that space, it feels totally different. And then I'm more motivated to keep going. And to be honest, what I end up doing in those pockets ends up usually making the best work ever. <laughs> right. No, that's like when all the inspiration comes and you're like, yeah. Yeah, I should make this little quick video and then it blows up or whatever happens. Like for me, that's yeah. my yeah. art is more the marketing side of things. But um, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Up. Right now I'm doing these up. little paintings and I'm so, so much fun and I'm not supposed to be doing them. And I'm like, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working in our rented foyer right now. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to be painting, but I am anyway. <laughs> By the way, if you are not on YouTube watching this, her foyer, I know she said it was a rental, but it's gorgeous. I it's really like, pretty. It's I our Airbnb it. for the next two months. So <laughs> Jealous. Okay. Very pretty. Last question, Kristen. Advice for someone who is not sure they can reach their next level. Open-ended. We can look at this like from your point of view. So someone who's not mm. sure that they can take a big project and turn it into reality. Or just general, I don't know if I can do this advice. Where do you want to go with it? 
It's hard when it, I don't know like any context. Big project. A big project. Okay. Such um, as a book that the book. you've been dreaming about for five years. Yes. I mean, it was five years of action. Um, we'll go into that. Um, it was, I think that's seriously one of just showing up, like making a plan, continuously readjusting the plan. Um, honestly, a little bit of luck. There was definitely some of that as well. But I knew what I could control was finishing all the, this is the copy table book, so it has paintings. And so I, I, what I can control was finishing all the paintings um, within whatever it took me to do it. But I had, I, I at least wanted to do so many a year. That's just kind of how I paced it out. Um, what there was, but then there was so much else. Like there were, this was published, but it was like a hybrid publisher. So like I fronted the cost. And so before we even started, I had to come up with the money to pay the publisher and buy all the copies, which was like terrifying. Honestly, I had a very strong support team. Like I ended up having a designer help me with the website and, and like my audience was lovely. And so the pre-orders were strong. They wouldn't quite cover all the costs, which was okay. And I was able to actually secure a loan to finish it and they should be able to pay that off once the first checks come in, which is awesome. Um, and so I don't know, there's always a way to work around these things and to figure it out. And there's a lot of decisions that can, like, may or may not work, I guess. Um, I had heard just some, it wasn't directed at me, but it was a general criticism of like using a hybrid publisher like this. This is someone else. You could have tried harder and gotten it out there. And I was like, I know for me personally, I did a lot of research and this particular publisher, like they felt like the right fit. Like I had a very specific goal for how it would look and feel. And a lot of the ones that my, of my niche would have fit into, they probably wouldn't have given me that much control. That was a big reason why I'm like, I know it's worth it. And I also don't want to take two more years to find a publisher. Like there's a bit of right. a timing thing here too. And there's so many different decisions and not everyone's going to work, but it'll be okay. And you can only control what you can control. Well, and to your point about just continuing to show up and having a little bit of luck, I really believe that like universe, God, whatever your word is, like if you have to prove that you want the thing in order for them to give you the luck, like you have to show up and show up and show up. And then when you feel like, oh, I'm just about to crash and burn, then the luck comes in. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, I can keep going. Yeah. But like you have to be the one to initiate it. It's not just going to come to you. And so for sure. Yeah. In leaning into whatever help was available, like I there is so much of this process. Like by the time I got the book done, it was last, I think September was my, my I gave them my final words and everything and paintings. And they only was published in June. And so there was such a long time of, I can't control any of that, yet you're trying to balance when to start pre-orders and all this stuff, like when money's due. And then there's that long process of just nothingness. How do we talk about this? Then it's out in the world. And there's only like, for me, there's only one of me. And I, just with my family situation, with the move situation, there's only so much in-person things I can do at the moment. Like I can't be there as much as I would love to be there. My publisher was able to leverage their marketing team to kind of get into some niche. Um, like there's this really great mail newsletter that is like local news for this area. And it's like the funniest thing ever. And like they put me on the like the title subject line of that. And like in that one day, it's like, oh my gosh, that was so cool. And it's just like, you, yeah, like finding those little ways to, like I couldn't have probably gotten that on my own, but because the publisher had a full 
Well, you said you, you brought up that it was a really specific niche. So why don't mm-hmm. you actually do a little pitch for your book right now? Like, tell us what that niche is for, because while someone listening might not relate to that, they might know someone who would adore your copy book. <laughs> book. So sure. pitch me. Um, so this book, it's called A Midshipman's Journey, and it's a copper-table book of paintings and prose that are talking about the tra- journey of transformation from civilian to officer that happens at the U.S. Naval Academy. Um, and that's my alma mater. That's where I went to school, and I, I was in the Navy for six years after I graduated. And it was my goal from the very beginning to one day go back and talk about this story. And I really, and basically, like, it's centered around this, and so there's probably... 150-ish paintings about these little moments, but really it's about a journey of transformation, which I think almost everybody who's a human who has a heartbeat has had a journey of transformation. Um, And so it actually has an exhibit that corresponds with it. That's been a couple of different places. And currently it's living in a veteran gallery in Ohio. It's a museum. I've been up there a couple of times for that as well. And just to see the spectrum of people who come to visit, like some are associated with the military, some are not. But to them, to see like people come to the paintings, identify with their version of those moments. And it closely follows the era's journey, which is a framework that was pioneered by Joseph Campbell, which I just find entertaining that how it like, I really, I've always just loved that, the idea of journey and like human change. Like every movie ever. Every movie ever. Everybody (laughs) loves that story. We all love that story. And so having the painting kind of correspond with that and the book does too. And so it's basically using paintings with little one-inch windows. And, um, but then also as I was writing it, I was, it's not just about that. I also include like these artist notes because so like there's actually two journeys happening here. There's the process of making this as well. And so I allow the, that particular part to also pop in as like an aside. Every so often there's that part that's acknowledging that like I'm also painting this as we're talking and like, here's kind of like some artistic decisions that went into this and why, because I think that's always important to understand. Um, we have the infinite amount of decisions as artists we can make. And like, why did I choose this particular format? Why a book? Why all these things? We're going to also part of the process of making it that whole thing during a pandemic. There's <laughs> a little note in there too. So it's, that's what it's about. It's about a journey. That was such a good pitch. I want to go buy one now. <laughs> the meal I'm sure I can find someone who I want to get it to, but I want to read it first. um okay Kristen this is lovely I'm so glad we did this thank Thank you you for taking the time to do it again with me thank Um, you so much any final things you want to put out there oh gosh just I guess thanks for continuously sharing your expertise with the world it helps like if I, if, as an artist, if I could just stay in my little creative world all the time, I would, but when we can't, it's life. So it's always helpful to have those people I can come back to and be like, oh yeah, I should probably think about this. <laughs> you are so welcome. I love doing it. Okay. So Kristen, where would you love people to connect with you? Whether it's your website, your email list, your Instagram, whatever. And also where could they find you yeah. since we talk okay. in depth about it? Um, I do love Instagram, but I have really taken to email over the years and just sharing kind of what's going on in a more like focused, curated way. I probably email maybe twice a month. So that's a good one. Yeah, we can include links. A-R-I-S-T-I-N-C-R-O-N-I-C. Um, and then the book can be found. So I actually, 
I do have another alias that I paint under. So it's technically under that alias. I don't talk about it as much here, um, but it has its own website and it is a midshipman's journey that. So we can include a link in the notes if people want to we'll check do. it out. <laughs> Absolutely. I love this talk. Thank you again, Ms. Kristen. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't yet, be sure to hit subscribe so that you can get new episodes loaded straight onto your phone as soon as they're ready. And if you have a couple extra seconds in your day, would you take the time to rate this show with how many stars you think it deserves? I would be ever so grateful. See you next time.